Welcome to Brit David Podcast and our Bible book series as Pastor Tim brings us a message tonight entitled Prophetic Pottery from Jeremiah chapter 18, 1 through 6, chapter 19, 1 through 3, and verses 10 and 11. Watching a potter do his work is both fascinating and soothing. What had just been a chunk of clay becomes something recognizable and useful right before your eyes. That clay throughout that process may be altered and reshaped a number of times. The potter works it until it becomes just what he has in mind. Obviously, there are numerous spiritual lessons. Let's examine a few that Jeremiah was shown. Here's Pastor Tim. Kathy, your playing blesses me so much and I'm so grateful for you. This morning, when I shared with you in that message about his story, my story, and your story. I shared with you probably maybe more details than I should have about my own life and how I came to know the Lord. But part of what I shared with you today was what my prayer was when I essentially asked Jesus to come in my heart. I didn't know, I didn't know the right words to say. I'd been in church my whole life and had heard of a sinner's prayer, but really didn't know what that was. But the truth of the matter is, what I prayed before the Lord was far more truer and genuine and transparent than anything I've ever read on the back of a track. Having said that, I sure wouldn't lead anybody to pray the prayer that I prayed. You know, it was a prayer of desperation. It was a prayer of Uh, of absolute abandon, and yet I meant every single word of that prayer. One of the parts of that prayer that continues to be brought back to my mind by the Holy Spirit is the part where I said, whatever you tell me to do for the rest of my life, I'll do it. I've heard God repeat that back to me now so many times in my life, it's not even funny. I think I've lost count. Even to the point of coming here, even to the point of staying here. God's had to say to me, Tim, you said (laughs) whatever I tell you to do that you'll do. And I've just simply had to yield to that and obey. One of those first times that God ever reminded me of that was about two and a half years after I prayed that prayer in the first place. I was a student at then Columbus College, now Columbus State, finishing up my sophomore year of college and getting ready for my junior year. I was excited about my junior year coming because my parents had told me early on that if I stayed here and went to Columbus College for two years, then I could transfer, they said, anywhere I wanted to, but I understand that that has limits, you know. But where would I want to go other than the University of Georgia? So I I look forward to that junior year so much. And when I was accepted, I was ecstatic and just couldn't wait. I, I didn't even want to really finish out my sophomore year. I was ready for the junior year to start. I knew that there were a number of changes that were about to take place. <clears throat> and so by this point in my life and my Christian walk, when I talked about reading your Bible today, man, I read my Bible all the time. Constantly, constantly devouring it, could not get enough of it. In April of that year before I left, 
I began to pray and ask God what he wanted me to do with my life. Now, mind you, I already knew the answer to that question. You know, don't bother, Lord, I've already got this for you, you know. I've got this one figured out. I'd always wanted to be an artist. Um, I wanted to do commercial artwork. I, I loved billboards and the idea of a gigantic canvas that you can do with it whatever you want to. That was, my, that was my plan. And so I wanted to go to the University of Georgia, get in their graphics art department, graduate from there, and start my own firm. You know, I didn't want to work for anybody else. I want to work for myself. Let's just go. Let's just go. We're going to do it. Let's do it. You know, what I began to tell the Lord was, Lord, this is a great idea. Let me tell you why. One of those ideas was, you know, it's advertising. Advertising, for the most part, is based on deception. We have to tell you that you need something and then convince you that I've got what you need, right? So I thought, Lord, there's not a lot of, not a lot of Christians in this. And if you've ever been around that now that Columbus State has moved all of their art stuff downtown, if you've ever been down there with those people, they're just different. That's a different breed. And I can tell you because I was one of them, still am to some degree. There wasn't a whole lot of believers in there. In fact, at Columbus College, I think I knew one other Christian within that art department that was serious about their faith. So I'm getting ready to transfer to the University of Georgia. I'm getting ready for that. I'm going to finally go and I'm going to get this graphics art degree and I'm going to do what God has called me to do, what I have called myself to do, you know, and put God's stamp of approval on it. The only problem is, in April of that year, um, God did not put his stamp of approval on that. In fact, I told you this morning, I've never heard the voice of God with my ears, uh, but he sure has spoken directly into my heart. And as I begin to lay those things out before him, I'm reading through Elijah's story. And I'm asking God just to speak. And I happen to be in the passage where there was a great wind and God was not in that wind. And there was a great earthquake and God was not in that earthquake. And so many big things, you know, the things that you look for and you say, I know God's speaking, I know God's moving because I see all of this happening. It's got to be God. And the Bible reminding us that that might not be God at all. And I have now become convinced that that wasn't God at all speaking. It was me trying to speak for him. Yet the Bible says that God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. As I begin to pray and lay those things out before the Lord, as clear as, I can, as, my, as my mind and my heart would capture it, God said, I want you to be a pastor. And I thought, <laughs> boy, boy, do my ears need cleaning out, you know, because that can't be right, you know. I'm an introvert. By nature, and an introvert by the way I like it, too. You know, I, I always said I didn't like to talk to both my parents at the same time because the crowd was too big. You know, I, didn't, I thought, God, I can't do that. I can't get up there and speak in front of people, you know. I don't talk plain, and, and uh, you know, it, it's just, just not me, you know. My daddy wasn't a pastor. My granddaddy wasn't a pastor. I, I don't have anybody in my family that's that, God, this... Thanks, but no thanks. You know, 
I know what you want me to do, and that's to pursue this art career. And God whispered, I thought you said, (laughs) whatever you tell me to do, that you'll do it. And I thought, yeah, but, you know, I know better. So the summer went on. I moved up to University of Georgia. You have to test into the graphics art art school, and I didn't. I had been doing that stuff my whole life. You know, I always thought, how hard can it be? I mean, you see it in your mind, you just put it on paper, right? You put it on the canvas, whatever it is, whatever you're thinking, you just transfer it to there. How hard is that? I got there, and I couldn't do anything. I mean, I, I couldn't, I could not get on that canvas or on that paper what was in my mind to save my life. It just didn't work. I know now what was happening. I know God was teaching me a lesson. I didn't know it then. And I continued to press on. And I thought, well, if I can't get in the graphics department, then I'll at least go into drawing and painting. And so I, I started. We were on quarter systems back then, and so about three-quarters of the way through the first quarter... I thought to myself, I hate this. I just hate it. I, it. Nothing looks right. I don't like anything that I'm doing. I don't like any of my work. I, it's not fun anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And then it was like the light bulb went on again. I thought you said, you'll do whatever I tell you to do. And I went and talked to my pastor. And I said, Brother Bill, I feel like God's calling me to ministry. And he said, tell you what, meet me at the hospital Tuesday morning. And I thought, what in the world has that got to do with anything? I sure found out. Bill Ricketts did more for me in just a few short months than anybody's ever done for me in that area. What, four years of seminary? didn't do for me. Bill Ricketts did for me. I'm so grateful for that. He allowed me to understand what it meant to listen to the voice of God and to respond to that. One of the places that he sent me was Jeremiah chapter 18. That's where we're going tonight. So if you got your Bible, you want to turn there, you can. The interesting thing about that and the timing of that was was that after that first quarter of being a drawing and painting major and deciding that I hated it, I dropped it, just like that, and fell in love with pottery and with sculpture. Now, understand this just a little bit while you're turning. It really doesn't have much to do with the message. It'll just help you appreciate me a little bit more. (laughs) understand that my parents had already told me, Tim, you don't need to be an art major. You need to be a business major. And then that way you can have something, parents, you know what I'm about to say, something to fall back on, right? In other words, Tim, you're a failure and you're going (laughs) to, it's going to be bad. And so you need something that you can rely on, something that's going to take a paycheck. So if you can imagine how that conversation went with, well, I'm going to be an art major anyway, 
Imagine the conversation when I came back and said, guess what? Now I'm a sculpture major. (laughs) There's so many people knocking on the door to pay for a sculpture major. But God has taken those events of calling me into ministry and what that means to be in the hand of God to make this passage come alive to me. This morning was very personal for me. Tonight is equally so. In fact, I hope you get something out of this, but I'm getting a lot out of this. It's a refresher course for me. Jeremiah chapter number 18 begins with the sign of the potter. And I want us to examine that tonight. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number 1 says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. As you follow through this passage tonight, I'll tell you these one, two, three, four, five, six things. Number one. The potter had a project. The potter had a project. God's got a project, and the project is the prophet. The prophet has a project. His is to learn. But the potter himself has a project. The Bible says he is there, and he is making something at the wheel. Now, had Jeremiah stayed where he was, he would not have seen this message, would he? He says, arise and go to the potter's house, and there I will make my word known to you. If you think that you're going to stay just like you are, just where you are, doing what you've always done, and expect God to speak a new word to you, you're probably mistaken. If He tells you that you have to get up and go to somewhere else that you might hear Him clearly, you're going to have to get up and go to some other place where you might hear Him clearly. Sometimes that's in the quietness of your own quiet time. If you try to have your quiet time while the TV's on, while the kids are running around, while everything else is going on around you, you might need to arise and go somewhere else that you might hear the Word of the Lord. If you are dealing with your own agenda... You're trying to figure out how you're going to fit what God has to say into what you already want and what you've already decided that God wants for you. I know somebody like that. You might just have to arise and go somewhere else that you might hear the word from the Lord. Jeremiah does the proper thing. He arises and he goes down to the potter's house just like God showed him or told him and showed him the potter, it says, who is making something at the wheel. What is it? I don't have any idea. It mean any number of things. The wheel is a magnificent tool for making pottery. But what he's making could be any number of things. For the most part, it's probably going to be something that is cylindrical, It's going to be something that is useful. It's going to be something that may even be valuable to somebody else. But Jeremiah is there to observe. 
The potter has a project. The potter's going to start his project with a lump of clay. Just a lump. And it may, be, it may be like the gray clay that you see in a pottery studio around here. It may be if you go over to Macon area, you're going to find red clay that they use as pottery. You'll even find some of that, I mean, you use that Lizella clay that they use over there. Boy, it's, it's hard and it has, it, it has little tiny rocks and particles in it. You may even go a little bit deeper and get some of that mulgy clay that you can press on top of it and you can make things that look like, uh, uh, like, like uh, china, like porcelain from those things, depending on the clay that you use. I suspect that the clay that this particular potter is using is just some regular old clay that he uses and uses regularly. First thing that he's going to do is to grab more than he needs and take it over to, we would use a board that had a canvas on it that would soak up a little bit of moisture. And if you're used to kneading bread when you cook, you're doing the opposite. Just doing the opposite motion. You're wedging this clay. You're folding it in on itself over and over and over and over again. The whole idea is to get rid of the air bubbles. If there are air bubbles that are in that pottery, once it gets fired in the kiln, it's going to explode. It's not, it's not going to survive. You've got to get those out. It's probably not going to survive being on the wheel. There's probably going to be a problem if it's there. If you're using some of that clay like that Lizella clay over there from Macon, you, you've got to get those particles as best as you can. Some of those are big pieces. Get those big hard pieces out and discard them so that you've got one smooth block. And you cut it in half and you look at it. It's not right. You just keep doing it. You, just, you keep working that clay until it's usable for you. Then it's time to take it over to the it's time to take it over to the pottery wheel. The wheel essentially that today they may use some electric wheels, but the best wheel still is where you've got one big concrete wheel or rock wheel on the bottom and the smaller wheel that's on top. It's the bottom wheel that drives the top wheel. You sit on that bench and just start kicking. As fast as you can make that wheel spin. You kick it and kick it and kick it and kick it. You try to get that clay as much as you can right in the center part of that top wheel. You better make sure your hands are wet because that clay is going to slide through your hands. And when you get there, you're ready to go. You've got your clay centered. You're kicking it. It's, it's going. You better brace yourself because this part isn't easy. You've got to get that clay in the center of that wheel. It doesn't matter whether you did a good job or a bad job in trying to throw that clay onto that wheel. But whatever you do, it better be in the middle. If it's not in the middle, it's not going to work. And any little piece that tries to get out of whack, you got to get rid of it. you got to get rid of it and set it to the side. Get that thing in the middle. So your arms have to be pressed. Your hands have to be strong. You have to grip that clay and force it and mold it into that shape that you want it to be. And once it's centered, it depends on what you want to make. 
If you're to make a vase, you make it deep and drive that thumb in there and pull those walls up and pull them up tall. If you want a cereal bowl, depends on how much you like cereal. <laughs> you want to widen that bowl's lip all the way on out and just keep working those edges. Can't make it too thick, it'll explode. Can't make it too thin, it'll fall over. It's got to be just right. Boy, that potter, he keeps that wheel turning. He keeps it going. He keeps working that clay until it gets into the same shape that he has in his mind that he has designed it to be. The potter has a project. And that's what he does all day long. If the pottery is what he likes, he looks at it and he says, boy, that's good. He takes his wire and he cuts it off the wheel and sets it on the side just to dry for a little bit and then starts the process all over with something else. Join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim brings us a conclusion to his message, Prophetic Pottery. Pastor Tim would love to hear from you. He would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.